Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 38. I found a lot of debates online of like, um, you know, what's harder, the English Channel or Everest? And so it kind of got me thinking like, I wonder if anybody's ever done both. And so the goal uh, became, I was gonna swim the English Channel, climb Everest, and then also bike across the country, which is just something I'd always wanted to do. And I was gonna try to do that in one calendar year. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now. From the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, your host, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success in our everyday life. Today is Monday, so uh, if you guys are familiar with the show, Mondays we have longer format interviews with just amazing guests. Fridays we have shorter format shows where it's kind of my tip of the day or just an idea or concept that I'd like to share with you. Being that today is Monday, we have a phenomenal show for you with an incredible athlete and friend of mine, Rob Lee. Rob has actually uh, created and completed the world's toughest triathlon, and he, he decided to create this while he was in a hospital room injured. Um, he just decided upon himself, I'm going to create the ultimate world triathlon, which consists of climbing Mount Everest, swimming the English Channel, and biking across America. Three massive feats uh, in itself, and he decided to combine them into the Ultimate World Triathlon. So just a super cool concept that he was able to complete. And not only was he able to complete it within six months, he actually got married during those six months too. So uh, it was just an amazing conversation and interview that we've got today. Uh, Rob tells us all about some of the experiences, uh, lessons learned along the way, and uh, some and some cool stories from the whole Ultimate World Triathlon. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. There's definitely 
tons of nuggets of gold uh, that Rob drops in this in this interview. And yeah, I can't wait to share it with you guys. So let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Rob Lee. Rob, thanks so much for joining me on The Art of Awesome. I'm stoked to have you here on the show. Appreciate you having me. Cool. So Rob, you have done something super unique and you've created and completed uh, essentially the world's toughest triathlon. You called it the ultimate world triathlon. Um, can you explain a little bit about what it is, why you created it, and, and maybe like what drove you um, to attain this massive feat? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically it started, honestly, um, uh, in a doctor's office. Uh, I had some bad ankles. My right ankle in particular was bad and I was having issues. So I uh, went in to basically see if I needed surgery and doctor actually confirmed that I, I did need surgery on that ankle. Um, and they, he, we were talking about the rehab time and all this kind of stuff and when it was all going to happen. Uh, basically my ankle was worn out of, I've broken my right ankle a couple times. And so literally as I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, like, I need a goal to get through rehab. Uh, I've, I've broken a lot of bones. I think right now I've probably bo broken over 20 bones in my life. And I don't know how many times I've gotten stitches and things like that. So I've done quite a bit of rehab. Um, and I, need, I knew I needed a goal at the end of that um, to kind of get me through and really push me to, you know, what I to get my body back to where it should be. Um, and so I came up with the English channel, literally sitting at the doctor's office. Um, I've been a swimmer my whole life and the English channel has always been kind of like this slightly intriguing thing. Um, but I've also done before this, I'd done very little open water swimming. Um, I had done uh, quite a few triathlons and uh, kind of raced, I'll call it semi-pro. I never uh, pulled my pro card, but I, I raced pretty competitively for a while there. And so you're racing open water, but you're also racing with a couple hundred or a couple thousand other people when you're doing that. And you've got, you know, everything basically at your fingertips. That's also going to be maybe a couple miles at most. So uh, I hadn't done anything like, you know, 10 miles or longer in the ocean or lakes or anything like that. Um, so when I kind of made this goal, I didn't really know what I, w I was getting myself into. Um, when I started researching it, uh, that I found a lot of debates online of like, um, you know, what's harder, the English Channel or Everest. And so it kind of got me thinking like, I wonder if anybody's ever done both. And it turned out that uh, at the time, I think it was eight or nine people had done both. Um, but almost all of those were separated by years, like five years apart. I think there was one that was just over a year apart. Um, and so I thought, well, what if I put them together and really try to compare them like apples to apples right next to each other so I can say which one is harder and kind of like put this question to bed. Um, so that, and it, this was partly because I'd always wanted to climb Everest. It was always something that I'd wanted to do. Uh, I've climbed other big mountains like Denali, Aconcagua, Grand Teton, uh, done a lot of local stuff and whatnot. Um, so that kind of started the process, but because of my triathlon background, I decided that, uh, I had to have a bike ride in there as well. And so the goal, uh, became, I was going to swim the English channel, climb Everest, and then also bike across the country, which is just something that I'd always wanted to do. And I was going to try to do that in one calendar year. Um, you know, it, it was kind of just this lofty goal out there for a while. And I, I, I sat on it. I, I thought about it. I didn't really tell anybody about it. Um, but, but a lot of the motivation from that, I think partly came from my now wife at, at the time, gosh, were we, when I came up with the idea, we were just dating. Um, and so, you know, she, she has a lot of these big ideas and, um, really pushes, uh, these ideas to kind of the max. And I, I don't think I would have come up with this idea without, 
kind of her influence. So, you know, once I started looking into it, it turned out it was all going to be within six months. And that was just kind of how all the timing of these three events worked out. And yeah, so 2019 was a big year and I'm glad I, I did it in 2019 with 2020 being so crazy. But that's kind of the history behind where the whole project came from. That's amazing. And your your wife now, uh, Caroline, she's also a professional ski mountaineer. Had you done a lot of mountaineering and climbing before you guys had met or was kind of the Everest like something that she had also like was like, hey, I'll, you know, kind of help teach you the ropes with this or, or was were you like well attained in that field already? A little bit of both. Um, I had done uh, some mountaineering before, not as much like ski mountaineering, um, but I'd like, you know, climbed the Grand Tetons um, when I was, let's see, I think it was 16, 15 when I did that. Uh, I climbed Denali about, let's see, that was about 10 years ago in Aconcagua. So I'd, I'd been up in the upper mountains and I knew that I was pretty good at high elevation um, and uh, altitude. Um, what I probably was lacking in and looking back was, is a little scary thinking about like when I did Denali, um, you know, we did all right, but I probably should have been a lot more sharp on a lot of my rope skills and crevasse rescue and stuff. I, you know, I, I had done some of that, but it wasn't probably to the level that now I feel is necessary to go into the mountains. Um, that's probably just, you know, being young and, um, and I would definitely encourage people to, you know, I, I had always thought of Denali as this like great mountain to go climb. And so, I did what I had to do to go to get there and, and make it happen, but I, I probably could have been more prepared on the safety side. And that that's something that, you know, a lot of us do in our twenties. And I look back and think maybe I got away with a couple things there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'd done that. And then once, uh, Caroline and I met, we did a lot more ski mountaineering. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. Caroline's the, the one who's the professional athlete. This is more of a hobby for me, but I love getting out into the mountains with her. And it's, it's really what drives my career. I, I sell real estate here in park city, Utah. One of the main reasons I do that is because it affords me the flexibility in my job, uh, any given day to potentially, you know, go out into the big mountains and, and have a, a good adventure. But also get away for these bigger adventures as well. I love how you say I've created arguably the world's toughest triathlon, but this is just a hobby of mine. Like, like that's, that's just amazing in the sense that, I mean, nobody's ever done anything like you've, you've done. And like, I guess there was a couple people that maybe have done Everest and the English channel, but nobody had ever done it in a year. And then you, you create this huge lofty goal to create this, you know, ultimate world triathlon you're going to do it within a year and then you shrink that down to six months. I mean, cause why not? Like, why not make it a little bit more stacked on top of each other? Was that just to do it in six months or was it more to do with like weather and timing or how much of that uh, played into effect for this? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just kind of how it worked out and it's the timing of it all because uh, you're generally going to swim the English channel between uh, let's see, June and I believe it's October. Um, and then, you know, Everest, you're pretty much going to go climb in the spring in April and May. There are some fall expeditions, but it becomes much more expensive and there's some other logistics involved in that. So once I had those two parts figured out, it was kind of like, 
well, I, you know, I guess I, I put the bike in fall, which kind of makes more sense as well. And hopefully it's not as hot and those kind of things. So it, it, it just kind of worked out that way. And then on top of that, we, uh, we threw our wedding in, into the, the year, into that six months, actually in between the uh, English channel swim and the bike, we got married here. So through another big life event in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of how it all worked out. And in, in essence, I'm glad, you know, there was like one part of me that said, well, what if I did the bike in the fall, then waded through the, the winter did Everest in the spring and then I could follow up with the, sw the swim last in some ways that would make it kind of work better. But honestly, if I would have done that, none of it would have happened because of 2020. So, um, maybe just, you know, intuition or, uh, I'm just glad kind of went for it and got it done. That's amazing. The, the stars definitely aligned for you guys. And I love that you added getting married in there just to make like 2019 the ultimate year for you, for sure. Might as well, you know, had, had some time to, to rest in 2020. That's cool. So like what you said that there was this, you know, huge online debate or widespread debate about which is harder between swimming the English Channel, uh, summiting Mount Everest. What was harder for you and where does like biking across America kind of fit into the mix, like in difficulty wise? Yeah. Um, what's interesting, obviously I just said, I set out to kind of like answer this question and put that question to bed. Um, but, but honestly, I, I still don't think I can answer it. And, and the reason is, um, you know, it's kind of apples and oranges comparing the two because Everest, uh, we did a rapid ascent. So we were there for, uh, 45 days and we, we did a lot of pre pre-acclimatization at home and that kind of thing. Um, but you're still there 45 days, you know, a huge portion of that time, you're basically sitting around letting your body acclimatize. So in some sense, it's this kind of long drawn out thing. We call it like low grade suffering where you're just kind of like letting your body kind of adjust. And then when you're in the higher mountain, you're just like honestly slowly dying and still trying to accomplish this athletic feat at those elevations. Um, but it, but it's this long drawn out thing. Uh, most people, I think, I think it takes, uh, the average climber, I think it's like a 70 day trip. So imagine that. And then you've got the English channel, which is this one let's call it, I think the record is something like seven or eight hours to swim the English channel up to over 24 hours, but it's a one day event basically. Um, so to compare one day to, you know, basically months in the mountains is, is a really difficult thing to do. It's also really difficult in a sense because I did the swim right after Everest. It was 40, was it 43 or 47 days apart? Um, so I didn't have the time to really train for the English channel, like I normally would have for that type of event. Um, but at the end of the day for me, because I'm a pretty proficient swimmer, I've swam my whole entire life. Um, I knew I could get the swim done. It was more about, um, basically surviving the elements. So there's a lot of rules with the English channel as far as no wetsuit. Um, and you can't ever touch the boat and all these kind of things. So one of the major things I had to do was gain a bunch of weight. I gained about 30 pounds after Everest, uh, to get ready for, uh, for the swim. So I wouldn't get hypothermia. Um, at the end of the day, what I'd say is, you know, maybe English channel was the hardest, say, um, you know, 12 hours of uh, between the two. Um, that being said, I, I did it. And then I literally got to go to Scotland and have like a vacation for a week. So, because I, I did it on the early end of my trip. So, um, so there's advantages and disadvantages, both uh, on the other hand, the bike, which most people would think would probably be the easiest. 
and you could probably make it the easiest if you did like, I don't know, whatever you, you figure out your mileage every day to just be able to roll from one town to the next and really enjoy every place you're at. Um, but the way I ended up doing it, um, honestly, it was probably the hardest part because it took me 37 days to get across the country. I rode approximately 100 miles a day, sometimes more, sometimes less, but most days I, I rode 100 miles plus. Wow. Um, and, and honestly, just the relentless of that and, and doing it, I say by myself, I did have a support car and my wife rode like um, parts of the ride with me as far as like, you know, 10 or 15 miles in the morning. And then she'd turn around and go get the car and meet me for lunch or, or at the next hotel. But but the majority of that time I was by myself. So not only mental, but also the physical aspect of just being on a bike for, you know, five to 10 hours a day, most of that by myself. Uh, was brutal. And again, not having done the, the normal training I would do for that type of event because I had Everest, then the swim, and then my uh, my wedding right before it. So I kind of jumped in with very little training on the bike and it, it was brutal. It was really tough on me after about even the first couple of days, but especially after a week, I was, I was in a, a hurt locker for sure. So if I had to say which one was harder for me and the way I did it, I'd probably say the bike. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And it, I, I've never really thought about it because for just, just thinking about what would be more difficult for me. I mean, everybody, I guess could probably imagine biking, right? Cause we've all probably spent, you know, a little bit of time on bike, but to, to climb Everest and to, to summit Everest is something that few people have done. So it's hard to, you know, compare that or think in your mind, like, Oh, what, what would this take? And then swimming the English channel to me sounds just grueling in every way possible. I'm, I'm personally not a great swimmer. And, uh, we actually did this summer just for fun. My, my wife and one of my good friends kind of came up with this idea to just do our own kind of like half triathlon or half, half Ironman. Um, and the swim was what I was most worried about because I, actively, you know, through kayaking, I try not to swim. I try to stay in my boat. And, and so I'm not necessarily like a great swimmer or super proficient at swimming. And it was okay for us to do it, but I can't imagine going for, you know, eight to 12 hours straight. Like that's just, it, it, it makes me like anxious and nervous just thinking about being in the water that time and just going for it. But I can, I can kind of hear the differences and understand the differences where, you know, a 37 or a 40, 40, how many days were you in Everest? 40 something? I think it was 45. If I'm... 45. So yeah. th that obviously is a much larger time commitment versus a one day, like just grueling swim across the English channel. Um, how, <laughs> how comfortable was that bike seat by the end of day 37? I can imagine you're probably getting over it. Uh, you know what? Uh, on day 37, it, it was not great, but it was actually much worse. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think when it was probably its worst, maybe day seven to 14. Um, I mean, I had the, like the worst saddle sores you've ever seen and, or, you know, uh, they were just horrible. And I did everything in my, you know, in the toolbox to get rid of them, uh, different shorts, two pairs of shorts, different creams, uh, homemade concoctions, all these things. What's interesting about the bike that you don't really think of all the time is when you're like conditioning yourself for these long rides, part of it is just, you know, making sure your back and your fit and all that kind of stuff is okay for the bike. But you also kind of have to condition the, uh, the old undercarriage there, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because if you haven't been on a bike, it, it, it gets, it gets bad pretty quickly. So literally I think it probably only took like three days. Um, the first like 300 miles or so 
and I was in pretty bad shape. And then it, it was it was bad for pretty much the whole ride. Um, it usually was the first half hour and the last half hour of my rides that were the worst. The, the first half hour was definitely the worst. I'm constantly moving around on the seat, standing up, trying to get like myself used to being on the seat again for the day. Wow. And then usually you can kind of like half forget it for a good portion of the ride, but it was pretty brutal. Wow. And so if you're doing about a hundred miles a day, how many hours is that? Yeah, it depends. Um, you know, it, the, the bike was like a roller coaster. Every day that I felt was like kind of went, we'll call it easy. Um, I swear the next day was always like a really tough mental and physical day. So like one day I'd have a tailwind and it would be pancake flat and I'd be in Ohio or something like that. Um, and, you know, I could do a hundred miles in I'm trying to think probably six hours or something like that, five, six hours. Um, and then of ride time plus maybe a stop for lunch or something like that. Uh, and then other days it would be 10 plus hours. Um, when it's like you're climbing passes or particularly the headwind, the, the headwind is what just kills you. Um, so I had, I had some just brutal days out there in like North Dakota in particular where it was headwind or crosswind and you're just fighting for every single mile. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say kind of five to 10 hours of actual ride time plus any stops on top of that. Wow. Are you, are you just like trying, like, is it a hard battle to, you know, keep the caloric intake that you need to just, you know, bike across America for 37 days? Or was that yeah, pretty basic? Easy? Yeah, I was, well, I was just trying to eat as much as possible because I didn't want to be in a calorie deficit. It was not the time to like go on the diet that I, honestly I wanted to go on. I'm not, not, I'm not a diet kind of person, but I was definitely, I started the ride. I, I barely lost any weight after the English channel. So I started the ride um, 20 to 30 pounds over like kind of my normal weight. And so when you start that and you go over the North Cascades and I had my bike fully packed with everything I owned, cause I was originally going to do the bike ride fully self-supported. So I had everything on my bike, um, uh, after a couple of days on the bike and going over the North Cascades and having that extra 20 to 30 pounds on me. Um, and also just kind of like, to be honest, the loneliness factor. Um, I, I knew it would be great to have some support along the way. Um, but like, uh, you know, even though I was, uh, heavier than I wanted to be for the bike, I just ate as much as I possibly could, um, during the, you know, on the bike, but also for each meal I could get in. Um, and I still, I, I don't know exactly how much, uh, weight I lost, but I, I definitely lost something like 15 or 20 pounds on, on the bike itself on the bike. Yeah. On the Wow. Cause we, we met in person, uh, out in Colorado right before your English channel swim. So after Everest, before English channel, before, uh, the bike. And I remember at that point you were at the, you were trying to gain the weight to, to have that extra weight one for the weight that you lost on Everest, but two, to have that extra weight for, uh, warmth when you're doing the English channel. And you were telling me, I think we were just half joking or whatever, but you're like, yeah, I'm on this sweet beer and pizza diet. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is like the coolest diet ever. But was it actually harder to gain weight than, than people would think? Or was that actually like pretty easy? Um, you know, I mean, the, the weight actually went on pretty quick because I also, on purpose, I wasn't training much because I wanted, I knew I could do that. I could spend the time in the water if I could basically not get hypothermia. So I wasn't training. I was just eating as much as possible, but you just get sick of eating. I mean, that sounds like a, definitely a first world problem and hard to uh, complain about, but, um, I was just eating whenever I could, instead of eating when you get hungry, I'd just eat like when I wasn't full and I was eating, you know, pizza in bed, uh, drinking all kinds of, you know, drinking beer and just 
you know, honestly pretty unhealthy. I drank a lot of white Russians. I was drinking like two quarts of heavy cream a week, I think it was. Wow. Just, you know, put it in your coffee, put it in your cocktail, just whenever I could add heavy cream to something I would. Um, so I, the, the weight actually went on pretty quick. What's been more surprising now that I look back at like this, this whole thing happened a year ago is that it's been harder to take off. So weight is definitely easier to put on than take off, uh, you know, and that's something that I've never really had to deal with because I've always been, um, you know, pretty athletic and just always active. But between putting the weight on and then honestly COVID happening and kind of being a little more stuck at home, we've all adapted and found our own little workout routines at home and these different things. Uh, but it's definitely been harder to take off than it was to put on. Wow. So after you've done it all, um, would you do it again? Or would you do any parts of it again? Or was there like, was there anything where you're like, hell no, I'm not going back and doing that. Yeah, I honestly, I think I'd do it all again. I mean, there's, um, I, you know, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't go do the exact same thing that I did because I honestly did that. So we all, we all try to like switch it up and have, um, something else that drives you. Cause it's part of what drove me was like kind of the unknown. Um, and you know, I knew all three of these events were at least in my bucket or my, my wheelhouse. Like I, I had the potential to do them. Any of them, you can get shut down, as you know, any kind of athletic event you could, and get a, you know, weather could shut you down or your body or your mind or any other, um, uh, types of things could shut you down. But at a certain point, um, you just got to go out and do it. And so, um, that was what was kind of exciting about it. Um, I look back and uh, I mean, it, yeah, I, I loved all of them, to be honest. There were times they were all really hard and there's, I don't know that I was ever about to give up in any event, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't in a world of hurt at times and kind of in the back of my mind said like, why am I doing this? But that's when it's, um, I think that's, that's when you get the most out of these type of things is when you finish it and you go, okay, well I made it through those moments and I pushed myself harder than I thought I could. And, and I, I, I got there. So I, I think I'd do them all or something similar or yeah, there's, I'm all already kind of cooking things up in the future and we'll see what happens and we'll see when we can travel. But, uh, it definitely, um, encouraged me to keep pushing myself. That's awesome. What, what was your greatest takeaway from the whole, the whole experience as a whole? Um, what was it mental, physical, or just like, did, what were the lessons learned? Yeah, I, I think, um, I guess it'd probably be mental and physical when I say, I think we're all just, uh, capable of a lot more than, uh, than we think we are. Um, and that, that, that definitely is on both spectrums there. Um, that, you know, when I first came up with the idea, it was exciting because they're all things that I wanted to do when it came together and it was such a short period, I was going, I kind of made me nervous. And then when we kind of started it, you know, I had Everest to kind of take care to, to go do first. Um, and then kind of after that, I kept thinking to myself, like, why did I try to do this all together? And, um, but at the end of the day, that's what made it kind of that, that much more special. So yeah, I, I think I just would say that, uh, you know, once you do one of those, it kind of gives you that confidence to look at those other lofty goals out there. They don't even have to be athletic, but I think we're all just capable of a lot more than we think we are. That's amazing. You also, um, while you were kind of just creating this whole ultimate world triathlon, you kind of adopted this message of gender equality. Can you just kind of speak upon why, why that's important to you and, and kind of just explain it a little bit? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, it came a little bit naturally with, um, honestly, a lot of the interactions. I mean, I think we've all had over a lifetime, but in particular with my now wife, Caroline. Um, and, you know, it happened from anytime, like some of the first times we went backcountry skiing together and we were in the backcountry and she's literally a professional ski mountaineer. I was super new to, um, to the backcountry, I'd done some before we dated, but not much. And uh, when we would be out there, and you see someone outside on the skin track or whatnot, um, and they'd usually come over to me and start asking questions about like what conditions are like or where we're going, those kind of things. And I'd be like, "Talk to the professional over there." But I think there's this general kind of um, just an underlying uh, gender inequality where I'm, you know, I'm a man, I'm six one, I'm so I'm taller, I'm white. So people will approach me and ask the questions like I'm some, for some reason, the pro. Um, and so that kind of laid the groundwork. And honestly, when we started training for Everest and planning for Everest, and we would tell people we were going to Everest, um, people were all excited for me. Oh yeah, you'll do it because you know, I've, I've done a lot of these types of big goals and things. And if people didn't know Caroline, um, she tended to get the question, Oh, you're going to, Oh, you're just going to base camp. Like, no, she's a professional athlete. She's a professional ski mountaineer. She's going to the summit. Yeah. And so it, it's this kind of gen, um, this underlying feeling that I think, um, you know, it makes it harder for women, I think, to when they don't have that same encouragement and that same confidence. And it's just the questions we ask once, once you tell people, yeah, she's a professional mountaineer. Sure. Maybe they've got more confidence in her. Um, but I, I, it's just something that I think we all do honestly. And I, I wanted to bring awareness to that. Um, I think I could have always done more during the triathlon as you know, what happens is you get tired and you're trying to push the message and hopefully I made some impact on people's lives and hopefully I can continue doing that in the future. That's amazing. And I totally agree. And I think that gender equality, I mean, equality across the board really, but gender equality as well is, is something that, um, that we, we need to bring to awareness and, and I see it in, our sport as well with same with my wife. Um, I also see it in business. Um, and just in all aspects of life really, which is kind of weird because there's in so many ways, just like what you said with Caroline, where you're like, why are you talking to me? Like she's the pro over here. She knows what she's talking about. And there is just this, I, I, yeah, there is a gender gap, uh, and an equality gap that, that we can all, you know, work towards, leveling back and making equal do you find it harder trying to help push that message as you know six one white male the people are like why are you the one sharing this or have you had any issue with that i i had a little bit of pushback not much when i was um when i was doing the triathlon and and the the few comments i got were kind of like uh you know you're not pushing this message. You're just another white male who's getting the eyes on him. Um, as far as like talking about my triathlon and whatnot. Um, but honestly, I think we can all only do what we can do. You're always going to have some people who question your motives. Um, but, uh, just, just having conversations like we're having right now. And like I have had over the last 18 plus months, I think every single one of those conversations, um, is going to affect someone in, in the tiniest way or, or maybe larger ways. But, um, those conversations are, are going to make some progress. Um, I think they're questions that most people don't, address that often. And so as long as we're talking about it, I think we're, we're making progress. And, um, 
you know, all we can do is keep talking about it and try to push harder. And hopefully people will realize that our motives are in the right place. But, you know, yes, there, there is a part of me that's a little hard being like, hey, look at me. I'm going to talk about gender equality. But it's also not a woman's job to to do that as well. They don't need that burden. It should be a shared goal for all of us uh, to to have equality. And and you're exactly right. I mean, I, I talked about gender equality. You know, the things that have happened over the last year. It's not obviously just gender, um, but having these discussions, I think we're heading in the right direction. I totally agree because for me, I always find it odd or weird or whatever when. I'm a believer of, you know, equal, equal rights across the board. We're talking like gender uh, equality, you know, whether it's gay rights, black lives matter, doesn't matter like what kind of different category we're going in. I believe that there should be, you know, equality across the board in, in, in all aspects and not, I wouldn't say often, but enough people are like, dude, this isn't your fight. Like you're not a female, you're not gay, you're not black. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and it, for me, it's just like, why does that have to do with anything? It, all I'm trying to say is I think everybody should be equal and treated equal. Like what does it have to do with whether I'm a, you know, white male or anything? So I, I totally agree that, that it, it should be part of our burden to to say because we're the ones that are probably least affected. And so therefore, almost more so, we should be the ones that help spread that message. Or at least that's that's my personal belief. Yeah, totally. I, I remember one comment I got that was something along the lines of this, um, why, why are you choosing to lead this fight? And I'm like, I'm not leading anything. I just want my voice to be heard as well. And I want everyone to speak up and say, yeah, equality is the direction we should all be headed in. In my case for the triathlon, it was gender equality, but I'm not trying to lead any fight, but I I think that it's incumbent upon all of us to have the discussions and be part of it and support those people who maybe are the leaders in that fight. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be pushback, but I think, um, you know, the what there's a what's the quote um something about perfection being stopping progress i can't remember exactly what the quote is but i think it's, yeah, it's uh, not, perfect is the is. enemy of good is that what it is uh, i mean there's no, a million different quotes it, but, probably yeah, it's, but it's something like that but i mean you get the idea it's like if um if if we were just looking for perfection we wouldn't ever have any progress and and um you know we do what we can and i think uh, i think we're making strides but we have a long long way to go i totally agree yeah. Um, so, I mean, 2020, this has been, you know, a weird year for everyone. Um, obviously, like you were saying, you're kind of stuck at home a little bit, uh, maybe not doing the workouts that you want and stuff, but you've already completed, like last year was, you know, monumental year for you. You completed this, the world's toughest triathlon, ultimate world triathlon. Um, you got married, just like everything kind of came together. Perfect timing. 2020, you know, things maybe got like held up, put on, put on hold or whatever. What do you have kind of, do you have projects, ideas? What's, what's coming down the pipeline for you or can you talk about it? Uh, like what's next for you in the next coming years, whether it's three, five, 10 years. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, planning on, on doing some more kind of athletic challenges. I think it's what drives me. It makes me a better person in my everyday life and my business, everything, uh, when I can get out there, I think, when you make the body feel good, it, it helps the mind as well. So um, I need, again, I need those goals out there. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm almost, I'm close to my English channel weight right now, um, which is really funny and interesting. 
Um, so I'm, I'm excited to have a goal out there to kind of work at and you know, that, that forces you to get up at five or 6am and get on that trainer in the winter when you just want to sleep in and that kind of thing. Um, as far as what's actually on the docket, the only thing that I have planned right now is, um, to swim the Catalina channel. I was supposed to do that this year. Um, it's another 21 mile swim. The English channel is 21 miles, but because you're swimming against the, the tides, my swim ended up being about 28 miles. Catalina is wow. a little bit different, but but it should be about a, a pretty similar swim. I think it should be around 12 hour swim. Um, so uh, I'm planning on doing that. I don't remember the date right in, right now, but I think it's uh, August, middle of August that I'm doing it next year. So honestly, I just started swimming again uh, about two weeks ago. It's felt really good to get in the, in the pool. My eyes are red right now from uh, putting too much stuff. Um, it's called spit. It's uh, some stuff you put in your goggles so they don't fog up, but I put too much of that in there. So my eyes are super red. Um, from the swim this morning. But um, aside from that, you know, there's other swims that I want to do, big swims. Doing the English Channel was super hard, but it also kind of uh, told me that I could do some of these. And so I want to keep pushing there and do some other some other swims. Um, Catalina will be the first, and then I'll look at some other options. And then, you know, the, the other mountaineering stuff is definitely on the docket as well. I, 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 there's lots of mountains that I want to climb or ski or both, um, both you know, in the U S and abroad. And it's kind of a waiting game to see what, uh, what kind of travel we can do in the coming months and, and obviously the next year or two or, or plus. So there's nothing concrete, but, uh, definitely want to do a lot more of that stuff. Not to say that I don't want to bike, but I don't have any like big bike goals at the moment. There's just a million mountains I want to climb and, uh, and tons of waterways I want to go check out as well. That's cool. We should also try and get you out in a kayak at some point, Rob. I would love to, you know, so I grew up, my father came from Southern California, who's a surfer to Utah here where we live and his surf here ended up being basically kayaking. So he took that up when I was, oh, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I remember from, you know, maybe eight years old to 20 years old going out with him. I was usually in the rubber ducky. He was in his kayak dagger. Is that right? I'm going to yep. sound yep. very naive here, but he had his red dagger. Um, and so I, I did a little bit of, uh, real kayaking, but not very much. Um, it's, it's a great sport. We don't have a ton of water, like right near us here in park city. There's a couple of rivers that we can go do, but, uh, I would love to get some kayaking in. And with that being said, we got to get you in the water a little more. If you're not like hundred <laughs> percent comfortable with the swimming, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, I mean, I definitely sure good with the swimming. Yeah, I I actively try to avoid it, um, but but I should probably I should train harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, maybe next time I'm out your way, we'll uh, we'll head to the waterways, and I'll take you kayaking, and then you can maybe teach me how to swim or something. I love that. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. So Rob, um, I'm gonna just move us on quickly to uh, the section of the show that we call the fire round. I'm gonna throw a couple quick questions at you, uh, and uh, thanks so much for your time with us. So, Rob, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? I'm going to go with adversity introduces you to yourself. I love that. It's my high school yearbook quote. And it's just something that I always think about. I mean, think about it in the context of my triathlon. It's those really tough times. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be athletically, certainly, but those tough times in your relationships and your life and your business that are really going to test you and tell you who you are. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite book or current book that you're reading or anything that, you know, has inspired you along the way? 
I should have a current book, but uh, honestly, my business has been super busy and I'm trying to get back in shape, so I haven't been reading much recently. Um, I just uh, got the Audible for Barack Obama's new book, so I'm excited to check that out. Um, what other, I'm trying to think of other like podcasts or something. I'm kind of drawing a blank on this right now. Um, well, that's good. We'll come back to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll just check out, uh, Barack Obama's new book. I, I actually, I didn't even realize that he came out with a new book. I knew Michelle Obama had her book, but I'll have to check out, uh, Barack Obama's new book. I, I, I listened to Michelle's on Everest. Um, so that was good. I thought she was great. Barack, I think just came out with his in the last week or two. And I, th I think it's quite long. And I also believe it's version one of his like memoir. So, uh, wow. we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a long one, but it'll be good for, uh, training and I can just go for a run and listen to an hour at a time or something like that. That's super cool. Um, do you have any mentors or people that, you know, you look up to that have kind of helped you along on the way to, to get where you're at? Yeah, of course. I think we all have mentors. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to idolize all the, the, the people in our sports or in our lives that do these amazing things. But honestly, I, I would say my, my biggest mentors are like the, my high school coach and my college coach. Um, and, and you know, my triathlon coach, um, Matt Dixon, he was really instrumental, but also literally just the people that are going to meet you at the pool, um, at 6am to, to get you going. And, um, that that's across the board, but you know, I, I don't personally have kids. And when you, some of these people, they find the time and the energy to, to get up at, you know, five or 6am and meet you there and get you going on that set and race you and do all those kind of things. And those are the people that I think really inspire me and push me harder every day. Um, and so, yeah, uh, definitely a shout out to just to, to the friends and, uh, colleagues and people that, uh, that it, whether they're your next door neighbor and they're going to go for a ride with you or the people who are going to meet you at the pool early. I love that. Rob, if you could go back in time to any time in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. It's an interesting question because I, I really, I mean, there are certainly times that I could say I'd go back, but what I would say is that I really try to live my life without like regrets um, we can all say that we, we would go back and do something differently. That being said, I, I look at it more from a standpoint of all those times where maybe I made that decision that I, I could have gone back and told myself right now to do it differently. I think those are, it's better to make that decision at the time and learn from it and move forward. That's the, that's the way, you know, that's why you are who you are today. So I'm going to say that the decisions I made they certainly weren't all the right decisions, uh, but they I've learned from them and I'm, I'm continuing to learn from those. And um, I, I think that that's, uh, that's okay to, to learn from those mistakes. That's perfect. Live and learn. That's, I mean, yeah. gr great way to go. Um, I've got a question here that isn't one of our, you know, common ones, but I was just thinking as, as you've been talking about the whole triathlon and stuff, what would be one piece of advice that you would give like a young athlete or a young triathlon that wants to do something similar to, to you or wants to just like create this big audacious goal like yours. Um, do you have any piece of advice that you'd like say to some young kid? Do it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really it. Like, um, you know, one thing that, uh, that Caroline taught me with her career is like book the ticket and, 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 you know, just make it happen, put it on the schedule. Uh, at some point you got to tell people about it. That's usually when it gets scary. These big goals, when you say like, I mean, if you're, if you're a high school 
um, uh, student athlete and maybe you want to like win state in your event or something like that. But it's really hard to go say you're going to go do that because obviously there's this balance of kind of like um, humility and uh, confidence and all these kind of things. But at some point you got to, you got to put your goals out there. And uh, a lot of times when you put them out there, it puts more pressure on yourself. And I, I usually think that that's a good pressure, but eventually you just got to go do it and you got to sign up and you got to book the ticket or whatever it is. Um, but if you want to do it, uh, put it on the calendar. It could be on the calendar in 10 years. It doesn't matter. But if you put it on the calendar, put a deposit down, tell some people about it. Um, and then, you know, give yourself some, some time to work towards it. But, uh, yeah, I would say just go do it. I love that. I love that it's do it, but then also like, you know, put your, make yourself accountable, whether that's just like saying it out loud and publicly so that you're accountable that way, or whether you're booking like a ticket or, or putting some, you know, financial deposit on something so that you have this accountability to yourself that it's like, no, I, I told myself I was going to do it. And now I am versus just like saying it to yourself and, and never really acting upon it. So yeah, that's amazing. Right before my ultimate world triathlon, there were times I'm like, oh my God, I should not have told anybody about this. And I could have bailed like left or right, you know? Uh, but I, I kind of got into it and I was like, I gotta do it. And then of course now it's like, it's something I just look back and it's like the best memory, one of the best memories of my life for sure. That's amazing. What Rob, what is one of your most awesome experiences from your ultimate world triathlon? Oh, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, I guess it would be hard to look past like the summit of Everest. Um, and one, one of the questions I get uh, usually is, uh, what does it feel like to stand on the top of Everest? And just to kind of quickly jump into that, I, I'd say it, it's really exciting at the same time. It's still really scary because you're really halfway. So it's actually more exciting when you get down and you're kind of off the mountain and out of harm's way and, and everybody's safe. Um, but you know, it's hard, hard to look past that, but, um, Gosh, and that, you know, so obviously the sum of Everest, uh, getting stung by a lot of jellyfish sounds like a weird thing to, to be an awesome experience, but it's just another thing that like, I'll always remember about, uh, the swim. And since I did the first two events, I'll, I'll say with the bike, I think just getting to see America in this whole different way is, it was really spectacular. You know, once I got to Nantucket on the East coast, I actually drove all the way back to Utah and I did that in a couple of days. And the experience is it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be different, right? But because you're on interstates and literally you get off to like get, go to a gas station and you don't really get to see um, a lot of middle America and these little towns that have their own character. There's something really cool about slowing down and, and taking your time and checking out places that I would have never seen otherwise. So that's amazing. I, I love all three of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've got one, one kind of final one here for our fire round. If you were to leave this earth today and it was your final day, um, and everything that you've done, your whole ultimate world triathlon, all your videos, podcasts, just everything was to disappear with you. And all that you were left was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could write down three truths. What would those three truths be? Ooh, that's a tough one, huh? Um, first thing that just comes to mind is um, kind of doing, you know, living your life with honesty and integrity. Um, because without that, I think everything else kind of gets washed away, to be completely honest. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. 
obviously family and um, kind of with the things that I've done, I'd say it takes a village to do it all. We all know that you're not going to do anything spectacular in life without the support of friends and family. And so, um, you know, that kind of goes into honesty and honesty and integrity. I think you gotta, you gotta uh, treat people right and, um, they'll stick by you and they'll be able to help you accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And then hopefully vice versa, you can support them in their ways. I don't know if that's three, that's kind of like two or five, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll go with that. Perfect. No, that that's amazing. And essentially, I love what you're saying. Just treat people with, you know, integrity so that they stick by you. Be honest, be essentially, you know, be a good person all around and, uh, and hold family, you know, close to the heart. So I, I love all those Rob. That's amazing. Thank you so very much, um, for joining me today. This has just been incredible and a, a pleasure getting to talk with you again. Um, for any of our listeners out there that would like to reach out to you or connect with you, what would be the best way for um, someone to connect with you? Yeah, probably Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is rob.lee, and Lee is spelled L-E-A, so R-O-B dot L-E-A. Instagram is probably the easiest. I do some stuff on, obviously, the other platforms, but that's the one I use most often. Um, so, yeah, catch me there. Ask me any questions. Love to connect with people, and uh, hopefully I'll connect with you soon, and we'll get get uh, get you in the lakes for a little swimming and get me in the rivers for uh, – actually, I'd love to do some river swimming, I've never really done that. There's some interesting stuff there. People will swim like the Amazon or something like that. Pretty wild thought. Yeah, no, we should definitely do that. I've actually been kind of getting into that. And I'm more comfortable river swimming than I am just like open ocean or open lake swimming. So I I think we could make that happen for sure, Rob. Well, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it and can't wait to connect with you again. Uh, Hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later once our world calms down a little bit. Perfect. And and just because I like to add some value to the show, um, Rob, is there anything that you're focusing on right now that either I or my listeners uh, might be able to help you out with? Uh, gosh, I mean, I, I think just back to our earlier discussions of, uh, of equality and, it, it, you know, it's gender equality, but it's overall equality in our world. I think um, having those discussions are not easy. Um, and especially sometimes they're a little difficult to even have with family, but to bring those discussions up, have those talks about making things equal and, and doing your best to support the women in your lives. I, I think that that's uh, um, what I would leave you with. Amazing. I, I couldn't agree more. Final question of the day for you, Rob. What is your definition of awesome? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I, you know, I would just say something that, that just brings you to life and, and gives you excitement. Um, when I think of doing something awesome, it's, it's going to be something that, that uh, brings me to life and gets me excited. Something that I'm going to go, I don't know, just, just get super excited about. So could be anything, but uh, yeah, brings you to life. How about that? Yeah, that truly is awesome. Thank you again so very much, Rob. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, learning all about your ultimate world triathlon. Um, And thanks for sharing all your nuggets of goals with with us. For anybody out there uh, listening, please definitely check out Rob on social media and um, take, take a note from his playbook and Let's all try to do our best to help with gender equality and just really take care of the the women in your life. Help make sure that everybody is equal across the board. Um, Thank you for all of our listeners out there. If you guys got any value out of this show, please share it with someone that you care about, someone that you think might need to 
hear from this and that would enjoy this this conversation, this message. And yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.